All right, so good to be here. Just wanna give you a little update from Two Rivers Church because we were planted out of this church. I would like to show you a few photos, kind of of our progress. Uh, we went there with a few families from here, I think around five, we moved there, we had no jobs. People got jobs and we started church and school. And today we have our own property and this is our children's building, this is state of the art. They're using it for the first time today, today. We don't live in the city of Gilbert, we live in the town of Gilbert. It's 330,000 people, but it's the town of Gilbert. We have a patio, we use this all year long. We, after three services, uh, we have three services, Saturday, two and Sunday, we serve food to about 100 people potentially every time. And uh, it's a good menu, like you can get a great burger for six bucks. And it's kind of a heart. We do a lot of fellowship there, we meet our visitors out there, lots of ministry happens out here and so, we had a perfectly good patio, which the city made us destroy. So we just built a bigger, better one, and we like this better. It's got, you know, misters, you know, you can see the misters there. We pretty much use those all year long. <laughs> right now, it's about 115. So they'll be out there eating, and it's a hub and a center. Like the, there's another photo of it. It's just a big thing for us. Um, this is our new parking lot. It's not very sexy, but you have to have parking lots in a church. And they told us this whole building was gonna cost 1.4 million and we're getting it done for about 3.5 million. And a lot of it is this parking lot. All the water in Phoenix has to drain onto your property. We had to deal, bore these six foot holes, six foot in diameter, 75 feet deep. We had to put in these big culverts as wide as this sanctuary, five of them in a row. I don't know, we live in a desert. I don't know where the water's coming in that they think are gonna go in there, but we have our own catacombs. Like if we get persecuted, we can live and have church <laughs> underneath that parking lot right there. So there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's catacombs out there, but this is the full development of our property. And uh, this miracle has happened twice. Uh, we started with $2.6 million to build this building. And it's been, a, I don't know, it's been a long time. I don't know how many months, 18, two years, something like that. But when we are done, we have 2.6 million in the bank. And that happened in COVID. So all that extra money that we need came in and we put it here and it's a miracle. So I just wanted to throw these three miracles. I wanted to show you a picture of our whole family because Teresa and I got married right here. And I want to talk a little bit about life. I wish I could show you that photo because there's 16 of us and there's all these kids. We have five more grandchildren, they're four and under. So we have chaos <laughs> whenever family gets together. Uh, if you know Spencer Alexander, this is his son Nico. If you know Stacy Alexander, this is her son Judah. And if you know Leslie Alexander, this is her daughter Rowan. And our kids like to be pregnant together. So this is actually the second wave where they've done this, where you can pretty well put them out on the blanket. Uh, one thing about life, Teresa's mother was holding one of our children and she said something to her. She said, you were the fourth kid. You came at the worst time in our life. We were economically absolutely destroyed. And if abortion was legal, I would have aborted you. I'm so glad that it wasn't legal because I'm holding your baby. And if she could see the photo, she has passed, but there's 16 of us. And see, when you take a life like that, you don't just take that life, you take the future with you. 
and I'm glad she's still alive. And she made some pretty beautiful kids in spite of me, and her kids are churning out some real cuties. So I want to take a test this morning because you guys are slacking. So we're going to have a quiz. So we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit first. I need to ask you, how many of you are loving? You're loving. Raise your hand. You're loving. Wow, we got a problem here, Tom. Most of this church is not loving. Okay. Okay, I'm praying. I'm outside elder. I'm praying about that. How many of you are merciful? Raise your hand. You're merciful. Okay. Boy, they're better on mercy than they are on love. Okay. How about compassionate? How many of you, come? oh, there's even more compassionate people. It must be a Dane County thing, right, compassion? Okay, let's go to the fruit of the Spirit. This is one that people don't brag on, or a gift of the Spirit. They don't brag on much, but it is a gift of the Spirit. Hospitality. Raise your hands. You're hospitable. Oh, we need work on this. Do you know that one of the criteria of an elder is that they're hospitable? Hospitality makes the kingdom go and grow. Now I want you to remember what your neighbor raised his hand for because it's gonna be useful during this sermon. What I wanna do is preach on this topic wherever you go. Here's your key verse, Mark 16, 15. This is one of the Great Commission verses. There are five passages and if you don't use these to order your life, you're wrong. I'm just telling you, you're wrong. These are the last instructions given to the church And they weren't just given to the apostles, they were given to everybody. And it's amazing to me that we don't say, every day we get up, how am I doing with the Great Commission? And what am I doing with the Great Commission? So this is New American Standard and it's kind of religious. It's kind of like, you can pass this off on Pastor Tom really quickly. Because you know, like, he's supposed to go, Pastor Nathan went to the Muslim country, hallelujah, I'm not going. And uh, they're preaching, and I'm not doing much. I'm watching Netflix. But here's God's word translation, which actually captures some nuances of the Greek. Then Jesus said to them, so wherever you go, here's another way to say it, as you are going, wherever you go, as you are going, in the world, tell everyone the good news. This is our, if you got saved, Here's why you're still here. The reason why God didn't put a tube down and suck you into heaven after you got born again was, you got a job. Your job is to help other people get saved. So I just completed a two month sabbatical. Sabbaticals work sometimes, they don't work sometimes. And I wanted to do a few things. I wanted to go to Israel, but Israel was shut. So we, Changed it a little bit, but uh, we went to the Czech Republic. I worked on Czech. I've been learning Czech for a while. I know how to speak Spanish fluently, but this language makes Spanish look like child's play. It's like learning a Slavic language is like rubbing your body with, you know, steel wool. It's just really (laughs) difficult. And uh, that's what I do for enjoyment. I rub my body with steel wool. So I probably need a doctor. And then we ate our way across Italy. And then I spent 26 days in the wilderness. You know, there's a biblical verse. Jesus was led by the devil, or led by the Holy Spirit out to be tempted by the devil. I was led by Teresa out into the wilderness and not for temptation, for sabbatical. And I kind of figured out, you know, how to do this. Uh, 
and it was interesting. So the AT was physically difficult. That's Appalachian Trail. They've got to say Appalachian. Because if you say Appalachian, you're a Yankee. And this trail started in Georgia, and they won the Civil War, if you get my meaning. You've you got to do things right when you're in Georgia. Physically difficult, mentally challenging, emotionally rewarding, spiritually uplifting, and marriage enriching, if you can believe that. We were together for 60 days straight, and we are both alive and well. You know, COVID, if a bad marriage was bad in COVID, it got worse. And if it was a good marriage, it got good. And this just propelled us into another sphere in our marriage, and we're so grateful for that. It, it was a blessing. Now, here's why I decided to go on the AT. I'm not that thrilled about the AT. I don't have a goal to hike the AT. My wife has a goal of hiking the AT, but she's accompanied me around the world. I married you. Your calling became my calling. So the years here, Mount Horeb, learning language in Costa Rica, Buenos Aires, Madison, here for a time, back to Gilbert. It's been 40 amazing years of marriage and ministry. And for me, I know this makes her tick. And we kind of spied out the land last year and kind of saw what it would look like in the Smokies. And I offered it to her. I wanted to do it with her. So okay, let's, uh, let's do the AT. So we planned it. And I'm gonna tell you how good a planner he is. Planner she is, we walked. So the Appalachian Trail starts in Springer Mountain in Georgia and it goes to Mount Katahdin in Maine. So this is, uh, uh, it's 2,200 miles long, give or take a mile. They reroute it sometimes because of fires and different things like that happen. But it's a few inches wide sometimes to a path sometimes where two can walk along together. And the elevation gain and loss between Georgia and Maine is equivalent to hiking Mount Everest from sea level to the top and down 16 times. So if you think it's an easy trail, you are wrong. The Pacific Crest Trail has a five to 6% grade because horses can't do better than that. That's why they did it. Horses need five, 6% grade. The grade here is sometimes between 10 and 12%. That's uphill or downhill. So it's a little bit of work. This is Teresa. The Appalachian Trail at this time of year is called the Green Tunnel. After about a week there, we sent two things home in a package, our sunglasses and our suntan lotion. Because you don't see the sun much. This is her kind of coming out into a clearing, because every now and then there's a, they call it a bald. And there's, there's, a, there's a spatch of sun. But most of the time, if you were back in here, you walk through this incredible green tunnel that varies in its, its uh, the way it looks. It's very beautiful. But I want to say something about these photos. We're hiking in Georgia in June and it's hot and it's humid. And then we got word it's a 15 degree above normal hot. And we are hiking this the first four days. And then we heard this, just where I left. This starts the rainy season. I live in Arizona, I don't really like wet. Well, you get wet, you're soaking usually. So this is another look at the green tunnel. It's just like this, the whole way through Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, through the Smokies. And behind there is a gentleman. He's actually in answer to prayer. He's the kind of answer to prayer that I want you to have. I pray that you would have that kind of answer to prayer. 
So my simple prayer was, Lord, use my life in the next few weeks. I offer you these moments as an offering. Started praying before going, you know, I'm not a retirement guy, because like sitting in a rocking chair is not doing it for me. You know, that's not gonna happen. You know, he was like looking forward to retirement. I'm looking forward to, I love what I do. Every day I go to work, something incredible happens. Like, how do you get rid of that? But I'm gonna go walk this trail, and I, I don't like to just do my own enjoyment. I, I don't, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I can do it for a couple days, like let's take a couple days and you know, relax and chill, but I can't do it for more than a couple days. I was left on earth for a purpose. Two men, two men changed where they lived in the dorms here in Wisconsin to seek me out. I can't live in any other way but to think eternally. Like, okay, I'm gonna go walk in a wilderness where there are more bears than people. And I don't think bears are going to heaven. How is this gonna be an eternally significant trip? I don't know, but I wanna offer you an idea. If you pray a prayer like this, your life could go from being just your life, just by being boring, routine, so what, to exciting. You just have to offer it to God in prayer. Now, I want also you to think about this trail as your life, you're actually on a trail. It started the day you were born, wherever you were born, and if you're not a Christian, your trail ends at hell. And the purpose of life is from wherever you got on the trail, find Jesus, and when you do, he reroutes your trail to heaven. But he says, if you co-labor with me, I will make your life incredible from this point to the day you die or you can just be bored stiff. And you know, one of the things, as I was talking to this man, whose trail name is Chocolate, we'll get to that in a minute, he said, I have everything. I have money, I have land, I have three equestrian horses, I have a beautiful fiance, I feel like I have nothing. There's no purpose in how I live and what I do. I get up in the morning to go to work to make money to buy food, to get some strength, to get up in the morning, to go to work, to make money, to buy food, and I'm 57 years old, and I'm sick of it. Why walk that trail? Why not pray something like this, and see, your trail isn't my trail, your trail's going places my trail is not going. Your trails can intersect with things, places, and people that I'm never gonna intersect with. Every person's trail is significant, and if you don't believe this, you've been lied to by the enemy of your soul. He tries to make you wish you were someone else when you should just be grateful for who you are, the trail you're on, and invite him into the trail, and you can be amazed at what he will do. That's kind of what we're gonna talk about. So I'm gonna be hiking down a path in the wilderness. What could possibly happen? that could be eternal. Who can you meet? Some days we met no one. Now, you sleep in shelters and so, you know, it's 2,200 miles and you're hiking your own hike, you're hiking your own speed, so sometimes there are people who are either faster than you catching up with you or slower than you and you catch up with them. So you're going to meet people. You just don't know who, you don't know when, and you don't know why. I didn't know that because I'd never hiked it. The second night, a man from Switzerland came to the shelter we're staying at. You know, in the morning, <laughs> a little German accent. 
and I'd beat you. And I looked at Teresa, we, we kind of had it planned. This is our time together. We like being together. We're gonna do this hike together. We've hiked a lot alone together. It's always been very special to us, but I'm looking at her. You know, this guy that we've never met wants to hike with us. And we don't know when he's not gonna hike with us. When he's hiking with you, he's hiking with you and he's getting water with you and he's eating with you and he's sleeping right next to you. <laughs> and Teresa's like, okay, so he hikes with us that day. He hiked with us for 14 days. We got to know him. And uh, I wanna give you a little hint about doing evangelism. You don't preach the gospel right away, you just ask people questions. If you ever met my daughter Leslie, she will start asking you your questions about your life until you spill your guts. And when she gets your guts laying out in front of her, then she starts putting Jesus in there. Because he's actually answered all your problems and all your questions. And so we just started walking with chocolate and ask him questions. What's it like to live in Switzerland? What's your fiance like? What do you do for a job? Packaging engineer. I want to tell you a little bit about uh, two days of getting to know each other. The third day was a step out in faith. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. But he sets up packaging machines for everything you eat. Kind bars, what I call Turkish delight, Bel, Belvita cinnamon, brown sugar cinnamon crackers. Those, they come four in a pack. If you've never had them, don't start. <laughs> you, you, you're in trouble and uh, pizzas, his company makes the packaging. He's, he's, he's set up machines for Kellogg, for Procter & Gamble. He's lived in the United States for 19 missions of setting up these huge machines. He's went all over the world, all over Europe, all over Africa, all over Asia. And I wanna tell you something. This is what he said about America. He said the most generous and friendly people are Americans and I'm an expert in the world. If you come to Switzerland, we won't even give you that time of day until something happens because you're just a tourist to us and we hope you leave quickly. He said, my, my people, my culture is cold. He said, every time I was in America, I had friends immediately. They were kind and generous to me. They invited me into their life. So this thing that the news feeds us, that we're ugly and the world doesn't like us, Teresa's question was, well, do other people in Switzerland think like America like that? And she goes, every one of my friends. And you know, it's just the interesting, the perspective they got. He goes, you know that America first thing? Well, don't be stupid. Do you know what we say in Switzerland? Switzerland first because you've got to take care of yourself because no one else is going to take care of yourself. We weren't offended America first. Then he said this, if America's not strong, we needed you in World War I. We needed you in World War II. We needed you at so many times in history. And he's a German speaker. He said, after we practically destroyed the world, the Marshall Plan rebuilt Germany. He said, that was the kindness and the generosity of America. So I just want to let you know that you're not evil and you're not terrible. And if you're white male, you're awesome. <laughs> I, I'm sick of people telling me that I'm the reason for the world problems. I'm not. So anyway, we get to, I ask all these questions. Teresa's got this hike planned. 
We left on the start of our trail within a two-hour window that she had planned. And we finished 250 miles 26 days later within one hour of her plan. Now, that means she's a good planner. Other people's plans, we, we say, well, what are you going to do and how are you going to do it? And we, we, we just think in our mind, ridiculous, you don't even know what you're talking about. And they didn't make their plan because they didn't plan well. Teresa planned great. So we're hiking, but I'm getting to know this guy, asking him questions. Teresa's like, hurry up. I got a plan. I got, we're getting from A to B here. Well, on the third day, I remembered something that he said. He said, if there were a God, this wouldn't happen. Now, so I took him for a non-Christian. And everything he said sounded like a non-Christian. And I know Europe, and I know most Europeans are non-Christians. It's the most unevangelist continent of the world. And I'm just praying, God, you know, how am I going to get Jesus in here on this hike? And the Lord dropped a question. And I said, are you kidding me? I'm just going to, and I just did what God said. I turned around and said, Walter, do you believe in God? And he's got a little pulse coming up the hill. He goes, well, of course I believe in God. You'd have to be stupid not to believe in God. <laughs> okay. Now the whole thing shifts for the next two weeks. Asked him the two questions. He answered them wrong. If you know the two evangelism explosion questions. I said, Walter, you answered the questions wrong. You gave the same answer I gave. You know, when we get to some place where I can show you an illustration, I'm going to show you the right answers to those questions. And we would talk about world problems, this, that, and the other thing. And I'd say, you know, Walter, Walter, when we get to a place, I'm going to show you an illustration that's going to answer that question. And we get into some other thing, and I go, you know, Walter, when we get to a place where I can draw out something for you, I'm going to show you an illustration that's going to answer that question. So he was like, ready for this illustration. And about four days later, we stayed and didn't do anything for two days while Teresa hiked. I'm very tough. I know this. Huh? But on a picnic table under a tree, Walter, are you ready to see that illustration? He's like, yeah, I want to see that illustration. We sat there for like four hours, and we talked about Jesus and the gospel, wrote out a sinner's prayer. It was beautiful. And he was the answer to my prayer. Now, now listen, he's in Zurich, Switzerland, thinking about hiking the Appalachian Trail. He decides when he's going to come. He decides what's he going to do when he comes. He's going to decide when he's going to start the trail. We're in Arizona. We're deciding when we're going to start the trail. This stuff has to be done months in advance. You have to pull permits to go through the Smoky Mountains. All this stuff is done in advance. And this is done to intersect us on the same trail. His trail and our trail meet. And I took German in high school and German here at the University of Wisconsin. And when I was sharing the bridge with him, the first thing we would do is read the Bible in German. Then we'd read the Bible in English. And we talked German vocabulary and different things. How do you say this? And we, we had an interesting thing. That we talked about Hitler. We just, all different kinds of stuff happened. Who could do that? Of all the people walking that trail, of all the people I met, there was only one, me. And I was praying for someone to talk to, and God is in heaven going, I think I can make this work. <laughs> you know, 
The difference in the prayer is, you know, we're often praying for our stuff, but when do we pray for his stuff? And don't you think God wants to answer his prayers when you begin to ask him to do your his stuff? Like, I, I'm very secure that I'm a son of God and Teresa's a daughter of God and just as a kiss from the father, he's gonna say, Teresa, you wanna hike the trail? Here you go. And that's just a gift. But then when you add to that gift, hey, while we're going, can we do something for you? I wanna invite you into that. Why don't we live that life here? If everybody here prayed for one person, I only shared the gospel with one person in 26 days. His name was Walter. He was happy to get to know me and he was happy to hear the gospel. Do you know I preached this sermon last week? He sent me a screenshot of YouTube with the German interface with me preaching. And he said, America first with the flags. (laughs) He watched the sermon. We became friends because we just got to know each other. Why don't you decide this year on your trail to invite, I don't know, six or 12 people that you don't know into your life? Make it a little garden. Ask them questions. And one day, one of those flowers in your garden is gonna ripen. One ripened this morning, came to Christ. One ripened in the balcony. This church would not have room if every one of us just used our gift of mercy you know, we won't say, we're, I'm not an evangelist. Well, are you merciful? Well, yeah, we'll find a pagan and mercy him. <laughs> find yourself a pagan and love him. Love him into the kingdom of God. Find yourself a pagan and hospitalize him into the kingdom. You don't, have, don't do evangelism. Do it. If you can't close the deal, get, get somebody who can. There's a bunch of trained people here to do that. They can close the deal. We need, how about, how about this for a, biblical thought. We need Christians to love people, to be merciful to people, to be compassionate to people. They'll come if we are. This will happen. I'm telling you, this made my trip. As much as I love the scenery, as much as I love being in in the presence of my wife, adventuring with her, it's always an adventure. Now, let's think about trails. Don't walk the trail of life without a strong church. Don't walk the trail of life without strong Christians. We're four days into the hike. First day, Amakarola Falls, 4 p.m., 600 stairs. 95 degrees, 100% humidity with backpacks. That's fun. I am sweating, I don't like to be wet. And even in Arizona, if she touches my back and wet, I go, ah! <laughs> She's gonna touch any part of me and it's, Second day, it starts raining. We are walking the Appalachian Trail in the rain. It's like a little river, totally wet. You know, she likes hiking a lot. I like hiking not that much. I'm thinking, this is my sabbatical. Third day is just as bad. Four days, you know, I don't like wet. Walking wet is bad enough, but here's the worst. Try a little sleeping bag in the morning. It's 100% humidity, so everything is still wet. See, in Arizona, it all dries up. Put it up, it dries up in the night. Pull on them wet little socks. Put on your little wet little underwear. Your wet little shorts, your wet little shirt. Ugh. By the fourth night, I looked at her. 
I'm like, we're in a tent. Teresa, I'm done. She's what? I, I'm done. This is my sabbatical. I am not having fun. <laughs> you know, you need somebody there when the devil's after you. And she said just one phrase, don't quit on a bad day. How many Christians give up when God doesn't answer their prayer? How many Christians quit when it's like I'm sick and I'm not getting healed? I prayed for one person, she'd been hurt in church. She'd given up on church for a long time, just coming back to church here, first service. See, we give up on a bad day. What wisdom from this woman? Don't quit on a bad day. Pastor Tom is really saying that today. Don't quit on a bad day. I said, okay, I'll give you two days. They were better days. I'm like, oh. It's not like a five-star hotel with a short walk to a nice restaurant, but it's not that bad. Oh, it's getting better. Then I got set down to share the gospel with, with Walter, and the weather changed, and it was a beautiful experience. But I could have quit on a bad day. And you know what? When we walked down to end the trail, it was the south part or the north part of the Smoky Mountains. It's the tougher part. And I'm like, I'm not gonna wuss out on my wife. I'm not gonna let her walk this trail by herself. I'm gonna do it. And when I walked out of that woods for the last time before we took a shuttle to the airport, I was just so rejoicing that I had the strength in God to do it, but that she had been there for me when I was down. You know, that's the purpose of Christian fellowship, is someone strong when you're weak, and someone, when, when they're weak, you're strong. Because it's fun to be helped when you're weak, but it's even more fun to help people when they're weak, you being strong for them. So a little thought. So there's these shelters uh, along the way. They have to have requirements. They have to have a permanent source of water. So there's gotta be a spring that runs all year long. They have to have some sort of toilet facilities and they, they put these shelters there. And we're hanging our food up because bears can get it. This is called a bear hang. It's called bear bags. They're sealed so that the, the smell of the food doesn't go out. That's chocolate there on the right. And uh, you know, we made a mistake in planning because we thought when you hang a bear bag, you got a tree with a limb that's out, you know, and they gotta be 12 feet high and it's gotta be at least eight feet from the trunk because bears can climb trees. Well, these are beech trees. Their branches branch about 50 to 60 feet up in the air. There was no branches. So this bear hanging is called PCT, Pacific Crest Trail style. You hang it between two notches and two trees separate. But we took 50 feet of rope. Chocolate brought 150 feet. And in the most dangerous parts where we needed him, he was there with his 150 feet of rope. Notice how it's a give and a take. God even knew that we'd need help with our bear bags. So this is us, this is a typical night. You, they have these like bunk beds, except for you sleep like this and you could put eight on the bottom and eight on the top. And we used to try to get in early and we'd take this presentation. You can see that Teresa is very happy. <laughs> and uh, you know, we're carrying all our stuff that we need for 26 days on our back, which is kind of an interesting thought. So, point two, quickly. For their unbelief and hardness of heart, Jesus approached the disciples. If you want to begin on the trail, 
or say it like this, if you want to begin the Christian life, if you want to stay on the trail, if you want to stay a Christian your whole life, in order to finish the trail, if you want to start well and finish well, you'll have to periodically deal with unbelief and hardness of heart. God's not surprised when we don't believe. God is not surprised when we get hurt because hardness of heart generally starts with unbelief. You know, with hurt, with trauma. And I talked to this person and she's like, well, I've been hurt by the church. And I, as a pastor, I don't like hearing that. And I said, I'm gonna correct your phrase because I'm that kind of guy. You were not hurt by the church, you were hurt by a person. And I understand that and I, I, I wanna help you forgive that person who hurt you, whether it's leaders or not. Jesus didn't hurt you and the church didn't hurt you. People who went to church hurt you. And you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because as many people as there are in church that could potentially hurt you, there are that many more people in church that will potentially bless you. And when you leave because you got hurt, then you left the ones who bless. So don't be dumb. <laughs> Deal with your hardness of heart, sin, sin, you know, temptations cause it. In order to stay on the trail, you gotta take out the weeds sometimes. So learn those skills and then help other people do. I know how to help people with a hard heart because I've had one. I know how to help people with unbelief because I've had unbelief. Do you know when I planted Two Rivers Church, we had no miracles, we had no healings, we had no salvations. The first person who got saved, Pastor Flaherty, led to Christ. I had left here with a certain cocoon of unbelief and fear that I didn't realize I had because of how we were doing church at the time. And I had to call up Brian White and Tom and say, please come and help me with my unbelief. I am pastoring this church and I need help. That's how you stay on the trail, folks. When you're on the trail and it's getting tough, find someone to carry your pack. That's what Christian fellowship is. So on the trail, you filter water, you take care with food and hygiene. Now, here's an interesting thing about Tennessee. It's illegal to have an outhouse in Tennessee. They have some old law. So even in national parks, they can't have an outhouse. If you're in North Carolina, you can have one. The Appalachian Trail runs the divide between North Carolina and Tennessee. So based on which side of the mountain was the shelter, depending on where they could find water in that, you either had a privy or you didn't. But if you don't have a privy, then you have poop fields which is basically you just go over the edge and poop. Dig a hole and poop. But if you're not careful doing that and you of course don't have a sink to wash your hands, you could take fun little bacteria back to everybody that is in that shelter. And they have stories of Nova virus going through there. So you gotta filter your water because it could have giardia. You gotta take care with your food because that could go bad on you and you have to take care with hygiene. Do you know that you have to do that on the trail of the Christian life as well? And I see people drinking poisonous water, and I'm not talking, I'm talking like influences. I see people eating terrible food, poisonous food. You know, my wife doesn't like the term uh, adult entertainment because if it's not good for kids, it's not good for adults. So be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little ears what you hear, well, be careful big eyes what you see. Be careful big ears what you hear. These things take people off the trail similarly. 
Three people that I prayed for this morning are addicts. Do you know that they are taking in a poisonous substance into their body? On the trail, you filter your water, you take care with your food, you try to eat as you know, healthy as you can, and you take care with hygiene, lest not doing so and being cautious take you off the trail. So the AT is a map. Now what's hilarious is a lot of people hiking the AT trail, we came across them are 20-somethings, we don't know what they're gonna do or where they're going. And they didn't really plan very well, and this is a dangerous hike. Remember, this is hiking Mount Everest 16 times. I mean, and you have to know where the water is and that. So we have a 64-year-old woman teaching 20-year-olds how to put an app on their phone. That's fun. That's Teresa. Her trail name became, not chocolate, T-Bear. And she got it from two Ken dolls that were walking the trail. There's these two guys we came across, totally buff, total V, abs, and they, because if you have it, you gotta show it, so they had no shirts on. And they're, they got their backpack on, and they're walking in these shoes that are like sandals, and, and that was just interesting all in and of itself. And there's a couple of 40-year-old women, and when they walked by, they said, Ken dolls. <laughs> Did you meet the Ken dolls? <laughs> well, one of the Ken dolls, Teresa was, was mothering, and he said, you know, you're, you're T-Bear, you're, you're Teresa Bear. And Walter and I had a name for the T too because when Teresa wants to go downhill, she's torpedo. <laughs> she said that was too big to li live, live up to, but she can go downhill like nobody's business. So uh, it's something. Well, the AT has a map, it has an app, we have a Bible, and now we have Bible apps. There is no excuse for not knowing our Bibles well. And it's the map for life. And I'm so surprised that Christians don't consult the map for life way more than they do, even like the five Great Commission verses. The five Great Commission verses are the point of the north of the compass. Everything in my life goes through that thing. What I do, how I live, how I talk. I have a Bible that tells me what to do and how to do it. It's a book on success. Now, if you're young here and you're, you're not so sure about Christianity, let me tell you something. I became a Christian when I was 18. And somebody told me this, and then I read Jesus saying it. Here's what Jesus said, if you wanna know this is my will, do it. See, that's not how we think. We think, I'm gonna think through with my human mind if this is good to do, and then I'm gonna do it if I think it's God. He didn't say that, he said, read it in the word and do it even if you don't understand why. Well, I decided to do that, and I've been doing that all my life now. It's like 45, 46 years. And I can say this side, notice this beard is not black. It's true, it's true. The Bible is the true guide for life. I have never met one person who accurately applied Bible to their life that wasn't blessed. Now, I met some people that did some stupid stuff. That is never gonna get blessed. Wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. This is God's word translation, and I like this because it's not too spiritual. I'm not going where you're going. I don't live where you live. I don't go to school where you go to. I don't play on the team you play on. I don't cross the neighbors that you cross. Wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. I'm learning Czech in the Czech Republic and I'm sitting at a table. I got a 20 year old girl on the other side. And part of my learning languages is you're gonna translate the two questions into Czech so that I can memorize them. And then I'm going to have you teach me how to share the bridge illustration. 
So it's not just memorizing the bridge illustration, I need to know the check words you use to make the transitions from the part of the bridge, which led into all kinds of things in this girl's life, and most of it I won't tell you, but at the end of it she said this, I thought I was here for you. You were here for me. She had believed a number of lies about the Bible and about church, and in those weeks, we unraveled a lot of them. That's what it means wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. Because they don't have to listen, live under bondage and fear and all this other kind of stuff. So wherever you go, tell everyone good news. That's where, wherever you go. Who, everyone, what, good news. Learn how to do it. This is Pastor Tom's favorite verse on this kind of a talk. Acts 10.38. I told him what I was going to do and he gave me this verse. Well, it happens to be my favorite verse too. So Tom and Tom agree. This is like TNT dynamite. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. How do you get the anointing? Intimacy with God. Then, then, on the trail, you'll have something to share. Now it's interesting, when you hit these shelters, the questions come out. What are you hiking? Why are you hiking? Why did you come here? It's another way to ask them, why are you crazy? What absolutely got into your mind to do this? And when they share, we either celebrate. We met these two meth addicts that, here's a, here's a life testimony. She's 32. She said, I was a meth addict at 20 and I got pregnant by an idiot. I decided to keep my baby and not abort it. What I didn't know is the baby saved my life. Because when they put the baby in my arms, I stopped meth that day and never did it again. She goes, my baby saved my life. And then she had her husband. And we got to talking. And <laughs> I'm a sabbatical, I'm a pastor. And, you know, the parting words of the trail is, I'm going to be watching your website when I get back to Louisville. All right, great. You know, you're just sharing life on the trail. We met a woman, we were filtering water in her. She said, my son's a meth addict just coming out. It doesn't seem like the addiction's gone. And I'm talking about, oh, you know, the Greek word for witchcraft is pharmakia. And that's why Satan uses drugs and he might need a deliverance. We talked about churches in Houston and I didn't have one to give her. I said, you know, there's a flight every hour from Houston to Phoenix. If you put your kid on a plane, I have a pastor's job is to cast out devils. She goes, if I can get my son on that plane, we will be in Phoenix as soon as I can arrange it. You know, we did that while we were filtering water. I had no plan to be having that conversation with some woman I've never met from Houston. But you know, when you're out there, you're kind of vulnerable. You know, people in life are vulnerable walking their trail. Most of the time they feel like they're alone on your trail and your trail intersected with their trail and that's time to be a friend. So just to finish with this, another thing, if you're a young person, when Tom Flaherty and I were young, we had this many miracles in our ministry, zero. We started our ministries, we didn't have gifts of spirit. We didn't know how to format it. We didn't know how to develop it. But I'm telling you, these years later, these signs not only will, they are accompanying this church right here. They are accompanying two rivers because we believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. I want to just say a thing. Notice that this talks about doing God's will. You're divinely protected. I was talking to Chocolate. I said, there's this preacher. His name is Reinhard Bonnke. He's actually a German. He's one of the greatest preachers 
have you ever heard of him? He goes, no. Showed him some videos and stuff, and I said, do you know, Satan, through different people, tried to kill him, assassinate him, kidnap him, all these different, you know, destroy people, and God supernaturally protected his evangelistic crusades. And he's like, I'm telling him about the miracles in our church and the healings and all this other kind of stuff. And he's like, he's a little bald on top. He's like, how did I get to be 57 years old and never know that Jesus did these things? Because there is no church around him that does those things. But see, our trail intersected his trail for a reason. He will never, ever be able to say that Jesus is not alive and well because he got 12 days of supernatural testimonies because I have a lot of stories, Fred. And you know, I'd be telling him a story, and just like, come on, come on, we gotta get to where I gotta go, I gotta go. I'm doing evangelism. So, wanna look at this last thing. They went out from east to west. This is one of the most beautiful phrases in the Bible, and it's hardly ever talked about. They went from east to west. They obeyed Jesus, person to person, going out in society, the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. Every person in history that has tried to destroy the Bible and Christianity and kill Christians is now dead. They all die, and the church is still alive and more on fire than ever. Hallelujah. It is a sacred, imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. Jesus is still saving, healing, delivering people. He still gives salt to life. My life has purpose. I said, Walter, the purpose of life is to know God and to make him known. That's the motto of the navigators, by the way. There's the ones that live me to the Lord. Imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. So I want to finish with this. This is the beginning of the trail. This is 8.5 miles from the start of the Appalachian Trail. This is called the Approach Trail. And we're here starting, we are dry. We smell good, and we're happy. That smile is going to stay on Teresa's face for 26 days. Not mine. But I want to say this. If you want your trail to start from wherever you are and then in heaven, you have to start at the beginning of the trail of the Christian life. And in order to start that trail, you need to be born again. You need to repent of your sins you need to confess, which means to agree. That's what confess means. It means to agree. From the top of your head to the bottom of your feet that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not Savior. Everybody wants a Savior. Nobody wants a Lord. No. It doesn't say confess Jesus Christ as Savior. It says confess Jesus Christ as Lord. He now owns you. And you're in the hands of the best owner you could have. And when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you are saved. But it doesn't start. I know because our people in my church in, in Phoenix, they, they refuse to start the trail. They'll even come to church, but they won't start. If you don't start it, you can't finish it in heaven. You know, I told this story before, but we used to have this Muslim guy sitting right there because his wife and his two daughters got saved. Supernatural miracles. The daughter was healed of an incurable brain tumor, but he still didn't get saved. But when she gave her testimony in church about God healed her brain tumor, medical science couldn't heal it. He, I watched his face change. And I said, Ali, when are you going to give your heart to the Lord? And he said, soon. And then in about a few days, he got saved. And in about a week, he was being baptized. It was beautiful. 
but he sat in church for over a year without starting the trail. Are you in this church? Are you listening to this preaching? Are you hearing these testimonies and you're still not giving your heart to Jesus Christ? Today's the day. Walk through the gate. Jesus is the gatekeeper. He wants to save you. Stand with me. We're going to finish up. Is there anybody here who has not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but today's your day? Can you just raise your hand? Say, that's me. I've been hanging out, but I want to hang in now. Anybody? Any hands? This is the most important decision. There were people, first service, said, this is me. How about this dedication today, folks? You would take whatever gifts you have on the trail you're walking toward heaven, and you would share those gifts with people who intersect your trail. You know, we make it too complicated. Just, just love the people that are on your trail. That you, they, they came into your life for a reason. It's like, well, I wonder if this is God. I have one word answer for that. Duh. <laughs> it is God. That's why they're there. You don't even have to close the deal. Just be a credible testimony of Jesus and love them and then bring them here to someone who, I know we have deal closers here at church. Father, I pray for every brother and sister walking the trail of life toward heaven with me. I want them to have an eternal impact with their life. I want them to enjoy living the fullness of the Holy Spirit as it's released. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. I pray Jesus that an anointing to love, to be compassionate and merciful and hospitable would fall on every person here. They would stop refusing to believe the lie that their life is not useful and eternally significant. And they would invite you on their trail to see you do miracles through their life for the rest of their life until they enter heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. We're praying up here if you want prayer. God bless you. Have a great weekend.